fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Don't you hate it when your predictions come true? Don't you hate it when you know what's going to happen and you try to warn everybody about it and we're aware that it's going to happen and yet it still happens and we're there's some portion of the population that's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Well, that's kind of in the mode I'm in today. Welcome into the program. It is The Voice Reason on a Friday, the greatest day of the entire week, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. Wherever you may be watching or listening, we appreciate you as your Millennial General reports for duty for yet another day going into the weekend. I know you are excited. I'm excited. It's been a heck of a week, and it's been a heck of a day today. Uh, a lot of fun, good stuff, but what a day it's actually been. Bottom of the hour, Matt Rosenberg. He is the author of the book, What's Next, Chicago? Notes of a Pissed-Off Native Son. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about Chicago. Where are we at with crime rates there? What can we do to get that city back on track? I have been to Chicago one time in my life, and it was miserable. It, just because it was the middle of wintertime, and it was really windy, and it was really cold, and I got really sick, and I just... I, that was just it. It looked like a beautiful city downtown. I don't know much about it. That's the only time that I've ever been there. I'd like to go, but at the same time, with the number of shootings that we see all the time in the city of Chicago, I think I'll wait for just a little bit. Also, here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to play an interview we did just a little bit ago with Congressman Ron Estes. He is from the 4th Congressional District, my district right here in the state of Kansas, my representative in Washington, D.C. I He's on the Ways and Means Committee. And for those who don't know what committee that is, that's the one that handles the federal budget stuff and appropriations bills and spending. So kind of an important thing. So we'll sit down and chat with him in just a second, because here's the headline for today as a perfect segue to introduce what we chatted with with him earlier today. What's trending today? Here's according to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. job growth falls to the slowest pace of the year. Economy added just 194,000 jobs, while unemployment rates dropped to 4.8% as many workers exited the workforce. So the unemployment rate dropped, but yet we only added 194,000 and more people leave the workforce. I'm thinking, ladies and gentlemen, that's a failing kind of number for the last month. Now, why in the world does that surprise us or not surprise us in some aspects? I don't know if you remember the conversations we had all the way back when in like, I don't know, March and April and May and June this year, where they started going after the COVID-19 stimulus packages. We needed another one. We needed some more unemployment benefits. We And remember what they said when we asked them, when will the unemployment benefits end for the additional COVID-19 stuff? And they say, well... When we have it under control, when the economy's back, you know, kind of the loosey-goosey uh, agreements. And I've used the analogy of like, you know, when you want to kind of want to get together with somebody, but you don't really kind of want to get together with somebody. And you're like, you know, yeah, we'll totally get together. We'll totally chat when things slow down, when things calm down a little bit, when this project's over. And I feel bad because I use that a lot, not using that intention. I just, I'm so busy. I just never had the time to actually sit down and meet with people. And I have all the intention to do so. They don't. And we knew the socialist programs would be the 
uh, when it came to this time, when the federal budget would come out and the debate started like the last month or so, and we had this debt ceiling debate and we had this $5 trillion spending debate, we knew that the argument would be, well, the economy's not quite back to par yet, COVID's still lingering, and not everybody's gotten their vaccine. If you all would just get your vaccine, we'd all just be back to work and everything would just be great. And we would see 200 million jobs be created, according to Joe Biden. I just made that up because that's just kind of a joke that he doesn't know what the hell's going on, but it's kind of true. So while we have the slowest pace of the year for job growth, that's just more arson for the Democrats and the progressives to say, proof in case the economy's not back yet, COVID is still lingering, we need more social programs. We need to extend the child tax credit that's not really a child tax credit, just kind of a universal basic income kind of thing. We need to expand the Medicare, Medicaid. We need to expand Social Security. We need more stimulus. Maybe we need another COVID-19 stimulus paycheck to go out to everybody. We need to really regulate all of your transactions to make sure you're really, truly paying your fair share of any transaction over $600 or more going in or out of your bank account. It's a mess. So we sat down with a guy on the Ways and Means Committee just a little bit earlier today, a good friend of mine, a congressman for right here in the 4th District of Kansas, as it's Congressman Ron Estes, and he talks about this. Now, uh, we went for like 20, 25 minutes, and we can only play like eight minutes of this on the air. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a special uh, podcast, an additional podcast after the show where you can go and you can listen to the entire interview, and I highly, highly recommend that you do that because we talked about a lot of really good content, but this is a little bit of what he had to say earlier today uh, with the voice of reason. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? I, I'm doing great, although I am very frustrated, I have to admit. We've seen the just a week ago we had Mitch McConnell out there in the Senate side saying if the Democrats are going to have to raise the debt ceiling, they're going to have to do it without Republican support. Less than a week later now, we have the conditional temporary raising of the debt ceiling to the end of the year. We haven't scrapped the $5 trillion and the federal budget and the infrastructure ban together. I'm getting frustrated. I think a lot of people are to this point as well, Congressman, that I'm okay with almost, almost defaulting on our debt and defaulting with the economy because at some point... We have a credit card limit. We shouldn't spend any more. I know that you're on the Ways and Means Committee in the House, so you've seen firsthand this entire discussion. Uh, where are we at with everything, and can we get back to some rationale here? Yeah, I, I'm frustrated about this whole process, too. I mean, we obviously, we need to uh, maintain the good faith of the, the full faith and credit of the United States, and, and uh, having a dollar as a reserve currency is an important thing. But the reason we have that is because we can control and make sure that what we spend, uh, whether we raise taxes or uh, or spend less or uh, raise a debt uh, to the to the country, is that we're we're maintaining that quality of the dollar as the reserve currency. And and you know where we're at now is that Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. And yet they've created this new crisis because they want to continue to spend more money. And, you know, we you know, we're we're what uh, uh, a third of the way into a new month uh, <laughs> that starts the new fiscal year. Yeah. And the Democrats still haven't passed a, an appropriations bill for this year. I mean, they uh, instead of doing that, they passed a temporary two month spending plan. Uh, which is which is a problem to go forward because you, you can't plan for that. I mean, you uh, you can't uh, schedule a training class. Uh, the military can't buy spare parts if it takes longer than two months to to make them. And in the meantime, they're they're playing with all of this. Let's raise the debt ceiling and and make Republicans be bipartisan in this so that they can then go out and spend 
five trillion dollars or over five trillion dollars on on pet social projects that they're falsely laboring as uh, as infrastructure uh, because they know American Americans want real infrastructure. They want roads and bridges and and that. And so they're they're using this uh, smoke and mirrors and propaganda uh, discussion. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, we looked at the and broke down this infrastructure bill. And if it was truly just for roads, bridges and highways, which is what infrastructure actually is, it would have been covered. It would have been a three to four hundred million a uh, 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 billion dollar plan. It would have been covered by some of the covid spending we already had. We wouldn't have to raise taxes or do additional spending in any way, shape or form. And it would be good. And I could support something like that. But we're still looking at a $1 trillion budget for that, along with this $3.5 trillion federal budget, which is concerning to me. We have Medicare Medicaid expansion. We have Social Security expansion. I mean, Congressman, we have the tax increases of looking at and having the IRS regulating any financial transaction for personal or business over $600. That's absolute insanity to me. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's two parts of this bill that are just horrible. One's the dollar amount. Uh, you know, they they talk about it being three and a half trillion dollars. Actually, it's up to four point three trillion now because six House committees couldn't contain themselves, and and the Democrats wanted to spend more money than what they were charged and allowed to uh, through that process. Uh, but the the other piece of that is just all of these provisions that they're putting in place that dictate what we do. You mentioned. Uh, uh, basically doing a search and seizure on all of our bank account records uh, to make sure that uh, under the theory that we're all criminals and that we're all tax cheats and they're going to catch us uh, by checking $600. And, you know, the last time I looked, uh, the Constitution said that uh, uh, unreasonable search and seizure is not uh, not uh, allowed in the United States of America. And the other piece that that we're going to see as this discussion comes is that, you know, they, they started off talking about a three and a half trillion dollar bill. The way they justified three and a half trillion was they had several programs that they started, but they set them to end in three years or five years. And that way they could say, well, the 10 year cost is only three and a half trillion dollars or 4.3 trillion. But so what they'll do is they'll come back and say, okay, well, let's do a one and a half trillion or a two trillion dollar bill. And then they'll set these programs down to, well, we'll only do them for two years or one year. And, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, the only thing that lives forever is a federal government program. And we know the the pressure is going to be on to keep those and, and the spending will be right back to where it was. And we'll be worse off because of these bad policies. Yeah, it's very concerning. Now, we have uh, conditionally and temporarily raised the debt ceiling, uh, I guess, unlimited uh, for the time being until the end of the year. Is this going to be another frequent thing? I mean, as you see, being in the Ways and Means Committee, you've seen the fact that we're not doing appropriations bills. We're just doing these massive omnibus bills. That started as a, quote unquote, temporary thing under the Obama administration. And now we haven't had a federal budget really since the middle of the Obama administration since. Are we concerned about now just really now giving the federal government an unlimited platinum credit card with no limit and saying just go crazy with it? No, that, that I absolutely oppose that. I, in fact, you know, when even during the Trump administration, uh, you know, two years ago, uh, when the proposal was brought forth that the the debt ceiling uh, should be uh, temporarily suspended until July of this year, I voted against that. I mean, yeah. it, it's not an issue of whether it's a Republican president proposing 
this level of spending or a Democrat proposal, uh, president proposing it, is we, we've got to maintain good fiscal common sense. And, yeah. and that's a piece that's missing out of the spending piece. And I, 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 I don't have any plans to ever support a, uh, an unlimited expansion on, on the debt. Uh, obviously, we do have we do have debts that we have to pay. We we until we get some of the problems created, and I, I'm open for that. I I'd be willing to every year vote on how much money gets into Social Security as payments, how much money goes through Medicare as payments, how much money is paid out in, in Medicaid, and trade off. I vote for an X amount of dollars of spending versus X amount of dollars of taxes and justified whether the vote says uh, raise no taxes, but that means people are going to get less money in, in payments out of the taxpayers, federal treasury. Uh, but uh, it's, it's something we, we've got to get our hands around it. It's a mess up there. And, yeah. you know, we, they make it so confusing that there's actually not even, we don't even use the budget to reflect spending. We create a budget. <laughs> Some years we create a budget, some years it don't, uh, but the appropriations go on whether there's a budget created or not. And so that's a, that's the, the terrible way to run the greatest country on earth. There it is. I was Congressman Ron Estes from right here in the 4th District of Kansas in my home district, uh, my representative uh, in the heartland of America. And we appreciate his time very much. He's a great personal friend. We've had him on the show many, many times, former state treasurer in the state as well. So I'm glad he's on the Ways and Means Committee. And what a battle. Imagine if you're there and you're actually like a financial guy and you understand finances in some way, shape or form. And then they're like, yeah, that's, that's great to do a budget. We're just going to pass an omnibus bill and just raise our debt ceiling when we can't even pay our own debts. And we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. They're just numbers. That full interview, you'll be on an extended Voice of Reason podcast. You can find with the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It goes for about 20, 25 minutes. Highly recommend you listen to that one later on this evening. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with the Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Miss Parker. 
part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Got a question for you. How long do you think that we're going to see these social programs that be expanded like this? Oh, that's right. It's going to be forever. It's going to be forever. I know I've been railing on this for the last couple of days. It's been the focal point. But number one, I strongly, strongly, 100% deep down in my bones believe that unless we actually have a fiscal sound economy, then nothing else matters. No other political issue matters. We could talk about guns. We could talk about uh, social issues with abortion. We could talk about rights and whatever. I mean, we could talk about every other issue, but unless we have a stability of a nation, it means nothing. We could have all the gun rights in the world that we want to, but if inflation's at 200% and you can't afford to buy a loaf of bread, then we have a serious problem. So we need to handle this right now. And while they try to expand this, we have AOC saying the stupid stuff that she does, saying that she really wants all or nothing. Better than nothing. Yeah, that's right. Isn't something better than nothing and you know what we have to say i stood up in front of the caucus and i said you know that might be an easy thing for some of you all to say because when a bill passes that is underfunded that only gives a crumb you get that crumb Uh Yeah, so apparently a $5 trillion budget with the infrastructure plan all kind of mushed into one there. Over $5 trillion, as the congressman said, that now the budget's from $3.5 trillion up to like $4.3 trillion now because they just can't handle themselves. While we're already figuring out how to afford everything, they add more to it. And according to her, those are just crumbs. Those are crumbs. And we can't, we're not fully funding agencies. We're looking at doubling the IRS to handle transactions for 600 or more. And at the same time, doing audits on businesses that took out loans during the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to double the IRS. There shouldn't even be an IRS in a uh, theoretical perfect world that we want. There shouldn't even be an IRS. We've doubled the CDC. We've doubled the FDA. We've doubled the USDA because obviously there are health experts. So we need to make sure that they know what they're doing. And we need to make sure we have enough here and try and help us out. We're looking at doubling the ATF for gun regulations, because why the heck not? We need to double this agency, OSHA. We're looking at quadrupling the size of OSHA. OSHA is a small department in the federal government. You know that? Because really, it goes out on the construction sites, makes sure everybody's wearing the hard hat, makes sure everybody's complying with the regulations. We're not leaving out exposed chemicals. We're not doing this, not doing that. I mean, that's mainly what their job is. Now we're going to double, triple, or quadruple OSHA in order to make sure that every private business over 100 employees is mandated to get the vaccine, and they do their audits to make sure that that's actually in compliance and every business is in compliance and according to her we're not fully funding the agencies we're expanding them two three four five times the size that they're supposed to be and she says we're not fully funding them this is the stupid on the other side of the aisle and it's getting frustrating so when are they going to go away the answer is they're never going to go away we've temporarily raised the debt ceiling till the end of the year 
We're going to figure out how to spend more money and include all this into the budget. And then we're going to expand these social programs. We are going to see, I, I guarantee you, and we called it back in February, March, April, May, June, when we've talked about this issue, these programs for the COVID-19 relief are not going away. We could see another stimulus paycheck from COVID-19. We could see a permanentization of this child tax credit because that is going to be their introduction to that universal basic income. It's not going away, ever. It's creating that dependent nation that's going to be that 51% mob rule because once you get 51, 52% of the population on those social programs, do you really think they're going to vote for the politician that says, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have them as big anymore? Of course not. And that's what we're at today. When we come back after the bottom of the hour, we'll take a look and see how that's actually affected like certain cities like, oh, I don't know, Chicago, with crime rates going on right now, with the devastation from Black Lives Matter, with the economic turmoil that's going on. Where are we at in the city of Chicago as we have our next guest with Matt Rosenberg, as he is the author of the new book, What's Next to Chicago? Notes of a Pissed Off Native Son. We'll do that when we come back here, and we'll recap the program and get you ready for the weekend. Because get ready, there's a lot of battles. And I'm not bringing all the doom and gloom. There's some positive stuff going on, too. We have the capability to fight it. We just need to be educated and not ignorant to the issues so we know what to do about them. So I see that as a positive light. I think there's good stuff there. Lots more coming up on The Voice Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, man, the show flies right on by already halfway through. I don't care what any other talk show host says. We are by far the fastest hour of radio on radio. Multiple radio stations, by the way, and TV stations and live streaming and podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate you trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. As we are all over the place. Uh, so before this program, I actually got to fill in for the great Mark Walters, host of Armed American Radio, another national program talking about Second Amendment issues, uh, which I always love to do, which kind of leads into perfectly our conversation here. But kind of wrap up the previous conversation on the infrastructure, the federal budget, the issues going on there. Um, if it were just let's take the infrastructure bill for just a second as a loan standing alone, the one point two trillion. If it were only actual infrastructure, roads, highways, bridges, that's it. Not rural broadband, not uh, Green New Deal, rebuilding every building because it's supposed to be environmentally friendly garbage. If we would get rid of all that and just do actual infrastructure, 
roads, highways, bridges. The bill would go from $1.2 trillion down to about three to $400 billion, and that was already funded through the COVID-19 money that they didn't know how to spend after they passed all the COVID stimulus packages that they were going to apply to it. It wouldn't cost us a single thing additional from what we've already uh, scheduled to actually spend. And then I got a message on the Podbean live stream about Cincinnati and needing highway road uh, funding there. That could go towards something like that. Cleveland, the same thing. I grew up uh, near the Toledo, Ohio area and been down to Cincinnati one time. And I, I remember that. I definitely thought that at least the part that I was in definitely needed some highway construction. Uh, most of the highways across the nation, we could actually do some good there. And actually, okay, you know what? Do something that way. I don't like government spending, but if we're going to, then it's already allotted and already uh, planned to be spent. We might as well put some utilization to that. Chicago, probably the same thing, uh, which is perfect because we need some infrastructure upgrade a little bit in Chicago. We have a Second Amendment major crisis. I saw a headline. Let me see if I can find it again real quick here. As I was doing the show prep for the gun program today, that Chicago had already surpassed like over a thousand shootings for this year in Chicago. How crazy is that? And people are not allowed to properly carry firearms. It's nuts to me. So let's talk about it with our next guest. Super excited to have him on the program. He is the author of the new book, What's Next, Chicago? Notes of a Pissed-Off Native Son. I can imagine why you'd be upset with the city of Chicago. Excited to have on here Matt Rosenberg with us here. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm living the dream. I appreciate you coming on the program. Chicago's, I, I've been to Chicago one time. It was a beautiful city. It was the middle of wintertime, though, and it was really windy and cold. So that was not probably the best time to go to Chicago. But I see Chicago in the headlines all the time between Black Lives Matter protests and just the destruction of communities, between shootings that happen every weekend. But yet we're not protesting the fact that, you know, children and people die on a daily basis innocently with gang shootings or whatever else is going on. Uh, Coming from someone like you who's been from Chicago and grew up in Chicago, what the heck's going on there? And can we get it cleaned up? What's going on is, I'd say, the borderline breakdown of the family unit. And I'm quoting one truth-telling alderman, uh, Ray Lopez, uh, from the 15th Ward. Uh, What's going on is a whole lot of uh, fancy excuse-making that's gone on for years. We're told that there are complicated socioeconomic factors which explain why young black men increasingly uh, feel it necessary to kill each other kill each other. Um, I think what's going on is that the schools have been broken for far too long. Our uh, county criminal court system has been badly broken since 2017 when they instituted something called bail reform. We can talk more about that in a moment. Uh, it, It has amounted to a revolving door policy for dangerous, violent criminals uh, what's also going on is that uh, decades of systemic corruption have uh, have birthed uh, uh, rigged rules of, of governance, which dampen voter turnout and uh, help uh, politicians get reelected, uh, sometimes with barely any contest at all. So uh, we're kind of uh, suffused by... Uh, by uh, the accretion of political power, really for its own sake, rather than the wielding of political power for material uplift. Uh, You combine that with uh, failures at the household level, where young men are not properly raised and allowed to run amok violently in the streets. And, you know, it all adds up to a a pretty toxic bruise. So I, I think if 
if people want to try and put a finger on uh, what's going on in Chicago, that's a lot right there yeah. that I just shared. But I think those are those are some key elements of what has gone wrong in this really still great city that sure. needs to recover its footing. Well, it does need to recover because it is, as you mentioned, a beautiful city. It has a lot of the arts. I mean, you have Broadway shows that go to Chicago all the time. And I mean, it has a culture that is absolutely amazing, but it's really gotten this bad reputation. And I want to get into the, the, the cultural and the family value stuff here in a second because that's a huge part of it. But let's talk about the political side for a second. How far back does that corruption go? I mean, Obviously, I'm 32. I remember vaguely uh, the, some of the stuff early on. But, I mean, obviously we had Rod Blagojevich that was trying to sell the Senate seat from Barack Obama, which I'll never forget that name because that's just – you just shake your head like, how in the world does someone like this get into office? You go back even further than that during, like, the Prohibition times, and we have all the mobsters that are doing the Prohibition where those stories are coming out of Chicago. How far back does political corruption go in the city of Chicago? Well, there's a professor, a very wise man, who once served on the Chicago City Council as a reform alderman in the 1970s. I interviewed him for my book. Uh, he's well-known in Chicago. His name is Dick Simpson. He actually, along with a colleague at the University of Illinois Chicago, literally wrote the book on that. And you might not be shocked to hear that corruption in Chicago goes back to the city's very start in the, I think, the 1860s it was. Uh, they've been... Uh, you know, rigging contracts and uh, purposely miscounting votes uh, for <laughs> well over 100 years, more like 150, 160 years in Chicago. Uh, my own first exposure to Chicago corruption came at the age of 19, way back in the musty, dusty uh, year of 1977, when I worked on an undercover investigation that uh, ended up uh, a Pulitzer Prize finalist. It was called the Mirage Tavern Investigation, and a newspaper and a nonprofit that I worked for uh, called the Better Government Association opened up essentially a, a fake bar. That was why we called it the Mirage Tavern, and we documented the shakedowns by inspectors. You know, if your electrical wiring wasn't quite right, if your plumbing wasn't quite right, there was a way to deal with it. The way was never to fix it. The way was to leave uh, 50 to $100 in 20s inside an envelope that was inside a folded over newspaper left on a, uh, a booth bench in, in, in the tavern. Um, and that's how business had been done in Chicago for ages. Um, the, the corruption progressed and morphed, um, but uh, the city's got a long, sordid history. The big change came when the complexion of the political leadership changed. Latinos and blacks are now in charge, but they settled for the old ways of the Irish and the Italians and the Poles. And it's a darn shame because the problems in black and Latino neighborhoods are especially pressing. And you would have thought that the aldermen and the mayors and the prosecutors and chief judges now, you know, predominantly of color in Chicago would have put the priorities of their own people in their own neighborhoods first. But uh, just like the old ethnic white guys who just wanted to stick their hands deeper and deeper into the cookie jar, this new breed is pretty much the same. So it's meet the old boss, same as the old boss. 
And it's a crying shame. The city needs much, much more from its elected leadership. Yeah, that's strange. It's strange that they, you know, a new demographic of individuals would come in and start running the city, but yet they keep the old tactics. Like you said, you'd think that when you come in, you'd be like, well, this is kind of messed up. And they'd start to do things differently to try and actually affect their communities and help them. Uh, The question is, I guess now is the corruption, since it kind of got started off on the wrong foot all the way back when in the mid in the mid 1800s, when the city actually got started, is that what caused some of the minority communities to be in the situations that they're in today with some of the glass ceilings that they have to struggle with, with some of the crime rates, with the lack of resources in certain communities? Was that corruption intentional to make that or was that just kind of a def- uh, a bystander cause and effect thing that happened unintentionally? I think it was a byproduct of the racial and political power structure at the time. And, and we should make no mistake, Chicago has a history of, uh, for sure, of systemic racism. There's no doubt about it. Um, but over the years, you know, opportunities in society and uh, in this city and others have opened up for people of all colors. And we see immigrants making it, you know, and everybody's got a hard story in their background. I've even got one, too, as a white guy whose ancestors come from the Ukraine and were being, you know, killed by people there and uh, then pursued by the Nazis. My grandfather got out just in time. So, you know, that's my white privilege. Uh, my, My ancestors made it over here and worked hard and uh, had enough money to pay for me to go to college and make a career for myself. Um, So I think there's been a a lot of racial injustice in Chicago's past, but I know I don't think that explains what's going on now. Uh, Not not one bit. I think that the failure that we're seeing is uh, one of imagination, a failure of innovation, a failure at the family level in too many households, not Mm -hmm. the majority but enough to make a difference and uh, a, a real failure around around race and responsibility and and politics. We've developed this sort of excuse-making approach to things where nobody can really speak the truth without being called a racist. There's a really sharp edge to it. There is, man. A really I, I, I sharp edge. We've got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. We're talking with Matt Rosenberg all through the book, What's Next Chicago? Notes of a Pissed Off Native Son. You can find him online, Chicago Schooled with an S, schooled.com. we got lots more coming up when we come back. Where are we at now and where do we move forward right here on The Voice of Reason? With Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? 
because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Wrapping up the show. Just a few minutes left here on a Friday. Hopefully you have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back at it on Monday. All over again. Doing the thing. Fighting the good fight. Right now we got a few minutes left here with uh, Matt Rosenberg, author of the book What's Next Chicago? Notes of a Pissed Off Native Son. You can find his website online at chicagoschooled.com. That's S-K-O-O-L-E-D chicagoschooled.com check out all the information there now with the current situation man let's talk about what's going on right now we have as you mentioned i gotta admit i hate identity politics the idea that we have just because a different skin color culture whatever that all of a sudden we have to live differently and have these different communities and live segregated from each other it drives me nuts i hate hate identity politics it drives me nuts but unfortunately like you mentioned, that's really part of the the roots of Chicago. It's been there for a long, long time. Uh, but now with the changing of dynamic, why are we seeing this current situation? We've had this breaking apart and this attack on the family values and, you know, having the, the family structure and raising the kids properly and having proper education. I, I'm sure, and I've read the stats that, I mean, the vast 80% of all the education money in the state goes to Chicago, but yet the education rates suck in Chicago. Why is that? Mm-hmm. The teachers union runs the show not very well at all. It's a protection racket, really. They've allowed some charter schools in, but there's growth cap on charter schools in Chicago now. Uh, the teachers union is just very muscular politically, and politicians cower in fear of them because they're about the only people who vote. And that actually takes us into another area, which is super important, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the rigged rules of governance. Um, Only one-third of registered voters vote in Chicago's local elections. I checked the historical data. Uh, The same bunch of voters uh, turns out at the rate of 70% plus for presidential elections. Uh, The reason for the big difference is that the local elections are hidden in odd-numbered years and the early months of the year. So what ought to happen to begin to turn things around is to uh, change state law so that uh, city elections in Chicago are held at the same time as presidential elections. It could be done, but no one even talks about it. Then you've got, you know, we need term limits. We don't have them on the city council for the mayor. We also need to change the way we draw the uh, district boundaries. For the local uh, 
the local election districts at the city level, which are called wards in Chicago. There are 50 wards, and they're gerrymandered to within an inch of their life. Wow. So these kinds of things have a, have a very big cumulative effect in the end, and many people just tune out completely. So I think two big takeaways are citizens have to be vigilant about policy, step in, get engaged, shout, make noise, and run candidates. Yeah. When you see restrictions on school choice, when you see uh, public employee pension debt skyrocketing and poor management practices in city government, you've got to get involved. The other big takeaway is related, and it's that, uh, you know, apathy breeds more of the same. Um, progressive misrule is what we have, uh, not systemic racism. And I think that people get discouraged because things were changed, and that suits the powers that be just fine. Uh, I think they actually prefer things to be going to hell in a handbasket, as cynical as that sounds. I'm starting to think that could be the only explanation because it allows them to stay in power. Sure. People tune out and disengage. Well, so, they enjoy uh, their power, it, and I'm sure the voters, I'm sure that they've seen it go on for so long that they're pretty, uh, I'm, I'm sure that they're pretty disheartened, and they're just like, I don't know what else I can do. It's so corrupt, I can't really fix it. I'm sure that's why we see such a crazy low voter turnout. And I do want to emphasize, and I, I give a lot of coverage to this in the book, there are signs of hope and there are success stories at the community level. You know, yeah. there's a, a black pastor on the south side who uh, runs job training programs, 18 black female electricians just got certified this summer. He runs parenting classes. He's raising $20 million for a new job training center. He'll probably pull that off. There are guys who've made new lives after being convicts. There are micro-lending programs uh, lending mainly to uh, black ex-convicts who take $20,000 at a time to buy delivery vans and start their own delivery services wow. running from a great big new Amazon distribution center on the south side of the city. And there's more and more and more of those kinds of stories that I was able to gather in my book. There are signs of hope, but it has to start at the grassroots level. I love it. I love it. And that's exactly where it starts. You're absolutely 100% right. It starts at that community, local, grassroots level. And when you do that, then you see things changing from within, no matter what the politicians try to do. Matt Rosenberg, author of the new book, What's Next Chicago. Find them online at chicagoschooled.com. Matt, it's great to have you on the program. I appreciate the info. we got to get you back on again soon. Absolutely. And people can find the book both through my website and at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search for What Next Chicago. What's Next Chicago. I love it, Matt. We appreciate that. Everybody have a great weekend. That is for us today. Back on the radio on Monday. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.